the children at this time are dismissed as well. Good morning, church family. I pray that you are all well, and welcome to our third and final week in the epistle of 3rd John, and our 30th week overall in studying John's three epistles. For today, we are wrapping up a study that began all the way back on September 6th of 2020, one that I pray has been edifying and encouraging to you both theologically and practically. Now, as for this morning, we will be looking at the final five verses of the book of 3 John, those verses being 11 through 15, where we will again be introduced to yet another man in the text, a man this week by the name of Demetrius. However, before we get to the text this morning, I just want to make sure that we are all on the same page, since this will be the third individual that the Apostle John has introduced us to thus far in the letter. Therefore, church, if you can remember back to two weeks ago, the first individual we met in this epistle was the man in which the Apostle John wrote this epistle to, a man by the name of Gaius. Now, Gaius was someone who the Apostle John, verse 1, loved in truth, because Gaius was a man who not only loved the truth of the gospel, but he also was a man who lived out the truth of the gospel. In particular, Gaius was willing to receive and to greet the brothers or the Christian missionaries who the Apostle John was sending out at the time, brothers who had gone out into the world for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. And thus, even though these brothers were, verse 5, strangers to Gaius, they were still, above all else, Christians to Gaius, and thus he naturally then just cared for them and gave to them food to eat, a place to stay, a bed to sleep, and simply tried to love them in the same sacrificial way that Jesus Christ loved the church, because that is what brothers and sisters in Christ do for each other, for they are to be, verse 8, fellow workers together for the truth. However, the second man that was presented to us in 3 John was not like Gaius. Instead, he was the exact opposite of Gaius. For he was a man by the name of Diotrephes who quite simply, verse 9, loved to put himself first. And thus, because of his pride and ego and love for power and authority and control, not only did Diotrephes reject the Apostle John's authority, but he also talked wicked nonsense, refused the brothers, stopped, receiving, stopped allowing others to receive the brothers, and if he caught anyone receiving or housing or loving the brothers, he would then, verse 10, put them out of the church. In short, because of his pride and arrogance and ego, Diotrephes was adding even more instability and disorder to a church community that was already struggling to fend off the heresy and the lies of the false teachers of the age. And thus, with all that in mind here, church, the Apostle John, he now turns his attention back to his beloved Gaius to offer him a closing word of encouragement and a final greeting. 
which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, be sure to have good role models in your life that you can look to and follow, individuals who can help you develop a good testimony of your own. Christian, be sure to have good role models in your life that you can look to and follow, individuals who can help you develop a good testimony of your own. Let's at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up to 3 John. And again today, we will be looking at verses 11 through 15. Now, if you do not have a Bible with you this morning, please know there is one located in the chairs in front of you. And thus, please feel free to grab it and to open it up to page 1026 and to follow along as we, as a church body, hear the word of God together this morning. Again, we are in 3 John this morning, and we'll be looking at the final five verses of the book, those verses being 11 through 15. For the Apostle John, he writes, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as the church this morning a group of individuals who have been called out because of our faith in Jesus Christ. For Christ is our head and we are the body. Lord, let us be quick then to not only love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but to be quick to love each other, to encourage each other, to speak to each other, to get to know each other, to talk face to face and to get to know each other by name for we are going to spend eternity together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's let the peace of God that is available to us now by grace through faith in Jesus Christ define us as a church community as we love one another. Father, I pray that you open the eyes of this dear flock this morning, give them ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive. Spirit, we pray that you move among us. And I pray for help as, help as well, Spirit. Give me the words to speak this morning. Empower me to speak boldly and courageously and confidently in your word, God, a word that is infallible and inerrant and pure, perfect and pure and true. Work through me, I pray, so that we as a church body glorify you, God, for how you want to be glorified this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. 
Point number one, Christian, be sure to imitate those who bear gospel fruit and not those who do evil. Christian, be sure to imitate those who bear gospel fruit and not those who do evil. Verse 11, John writes, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. So fresh off the Apostle John's discourse about the prideful and egotistical and self-loving Diotrephes, a.k.a. the man who loves to put himself first, John wants to make sure that one thing is crystal clear for Gaius, that it does not matter how much power Diotrephes wields. Nor does it matter how much authority he possesses, nor does it matter how many people love him and praise him and follow him and listen to him, because this Diotrephes fellow is not someone that you want to imitate. For as John writes in verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. And this is so critical for us to grasp, church. Because as John Stott wrote, everyone is an imitator. And it is natural for us to look to people to model our lives after, and thus we must choose this model carefully. Therefore, John's words of wisdom to Gaius here are in essence, look, we all pattern our lives after someone. However, please, please, please make sure the person you imitate and emulate and pattern your life after isn't someone like Diotrephes, who practices evil, who rejects the brothers, and who doesn't love or display hospitality to others. Instead, make sure that you are imitating someone who loves the brothers, who cares for the brothers, and who, verse 8, supports the brothers. Someone who lives in a way that is pleasing to God, who conducts themselves in a manner worthy of God, and who presents their bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Someone who ultimately does good and not evil like Diotrephes. For example, church Derek Burgess, he shared this story about an individual named Henry Stanley, who had a brief encounter with David Livingstone, the great missionary to Africa. For Stanley wrote, had my soul been of brass and my heart of tin, the powers of my head would have surely compelled me to recognize with due honor the spirit of goodness which manifested itself in Livingstone. Now, had there been anything of the Pharisee or of the hypocrite in him, or if I had seen a grain of greed or deception in him, I would have surely turned away a skeptic. However, my everyday study of him during health and sickness deepened my reverence and increased my esteem for him, for he was in short consistently noble and upright and pious and courageous all the days of my companionship with him. For what Stanley saw in Livingstone was simply the imitation of the inimitable, since the love of Jesus Christ was now part of him. Now that church, that is a man worth imitating. However, I realize some of you might be sitting there this morning thinking, but pastor, I thought we as Christians were called to imitate Jesus Christ. I mean, did the apostle John not write back in 1 John chapter 2 that whoever says he abides in him, in Jesus Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked? Therefore, isn't Jesus Christ then the man that we should be imitating? And of course, the answer is yes, 
We should be imitating Jesus Christ in all that we do. However, as Daniel Aiken so accurately pointed out, although Jesus Christ is our supreme example, we also need earthly, everyday examples to imitate as well. People who we can point our sons and our daughters to and say, go, love like him, go and be like her. And this is becoming so critical, so vital for us today, church, because in all honesty, we are living in a world that really only seems interested in promoting and marketing people who have some form of power and authority and influence. And it doesn't matter how prideful or hateful or spiteful or foul or offensive or repulsive they might be, because if they possess power or authority and influence, then the world is just telling us that they are indeed worthy of our adulation and praise, and that their actions are to be imitated, emulated, duplicated, and replicated. However, church, and please hear my warning to you this morning, to imitate, to emulate, or to act like someone simply because they have power, or authority, or control, or influence, or fame, or fortune, or anything else that is saturated in the vanity of this world, I am telling you, church. It is a fool's error because our goal, our aim, our objective, church, is not to imitate the powerful or the influential or the proud, but instead it is to imitate good. And the reason for this imperative, church, the reason for this command from the apostle John is because, verse 11, whoever does good is from God and whoever does evil has not seen God. Now, church, you didn't actually think we would finish the epistles of John this morning without John slipping in here his moral test, did you? The test that confirms and supports and validates the fact that the true children of God, or that those who abide in God and that have God abiding in them, that they naturally then keep the commandments of God in their lives. Whereas those who are still born of the evil one, they naturally then walk in the way of Cain, hate others, and don't keep the commandments of God, and thus, verse 11, have not seen God, and that they don't know God, aren't in fellowship with God, don't abide in God, and that God does not abide in in them. And thus, church, with that context in mind here, I tend to agree with the scholarship that thinks that what ultimately the Apostle John is trying to do here is, in essence, say to Gaius, brother, take a good look at Diotrephes' life. You see how he loves himself, rejects authority, speaks wicked nonsense, and refuses to love the brothers? Now, does that really look like someone who is walking in the light or walking in darkness, living in Christ or living for self, born of God or still dead in their sins? And thus, we must be so, so careful, Christian, in terms of who we look to as role models. Because even if someone looks the part, writes the books, has the following with all the power, all the the authority and all the influence on social media, none of that, and I mean absolutely none of that matters, church, if they are not bearing good fruit in their lives. Because if the fruit they bear is evil, then that just proves, verse 11, that they have not seen God and thus are not to be trusted and or imitated. Now with all that in mind here, church, here then is my initial challenge to you this morning. 
with it becoming more and more difficult in this world for Christian men and Christian women to find role models who are humble and noble and God-fearing and scripture-loving and gospel-believing to imitate. Are you then, Christian, as Daniel Aiken asked, striving to be such an example? Or to take that question a step further, is your life, Christian, right here, right now, worth emulating? For is your love for Jesus Christ and your love for his church worth emulating? For is your demeanor and your grace and your mercy worth emulating? For is your humility and your gentleness and your modesty worth emulating? Or is the way of your life right now, Christian, simply one that is conforming to the immoralities of the world and bearing fruit that is evil and wicked and proud? Because make no mistake, Christian, someone is always watching, whether that be your kids, your friends, your your family, your co-workers, your spouses, whoever, someone is always watching your life, Christian. Therefore, we must not imitate evil, but instead always imitate good. For we must desire to live a life that is good and acceptable and perfect and worthy of being emulated by others. For we are, brother Christian, sister Christian, image bearers of God himself. Therefore, joyfully seek to resemble his goodness in all that you do, so that as the world is watching you, Christian, they see undeniably the love of Jesus Christ displayed faithfully in the way you live your life. Which brings us to point number two. Those who do good and not evil naturally receive a good testimony from others. Those who do good and not evil naturally receive a good testimony from others. Verse 12, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So here in verse 12, we are introduced to yet another individual in 3 John, this time a man by the name of Demetrius. Now, although numerous scholars believe that Demetrius is actually the man who delivered 3 John to Gaius, in all honesty, there really isn't much we know for sure about Demetrius outside of what we are able to glean from the text here in verse 12. And quite frankly, that is okay because if you are going to be known for anything, church, then it might as well be for what Demetrius is known for here. For John writes in verse 12 that Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. Meaning everyone who knew Demetrius, saw Demetrius, and did life with Demetrius gave a good testimony about him. Because Demetrius was a man who dedicated his life to Jesus Christ, to the teachings of Jesus Christ, to the commandments of Jesus Christ, and to loving others just like Jesus Christ. Therefore, everyone who knew Demetrius, they all testified the same thing, that he lived out the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ in all that he did, and thus must have been, without a shadow of a doubt, verse 11, from God. However, church, not only did everyone who knew Demetrius give a good testimony about him, 
But as John writes in verse 12, Demetrius also received a good testimony from the truth itself. Meaning that no matter what the world around Demetrius said or did or thought, Demetrius was a man who was committed to gospel truth. For quite simply, church, Demetrius placed his full and utter and complete trust in a God who cannot lie, who does not lie, and who will never, ever, ever lie, and who said to his people that he so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that church, that was enough for Demetrius, for he took God at his word, believed what he said, and committed his life to that gospel truth. And thus, although the rains of heresy fell, and the floods of dishonesty came, and the winds of fallacy beat on him, Church Demetrius, he did not budge because his faith was founded on the rock, for it was founded on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thus, the apostle John can confidently conclude verse 12 by also letting Gaius know that we too that the Apostle John and his associates and that the entire church community in which Demetrius was a part of, that we too give Demetrius a good testimony as well. And thus he should be received and greeted and supported as a brother who has gone out into the world for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. Now in order to come full circle with the text this morning, church, I initially close point one by lovingly challenging you to strive to imitate good, to strive to do good, and to strive to be an example of someone that we as a church body can look to and point our kids to and say, imitate them, emulate them, mimic them because they are someone who consistently does good. However, brother Christian, sister Christian, before we can even get to that point, we first must be willing to be honest with ourselves, to take a good look in the mirror and to be willing to hear and to listen and to assess what everyone, if you will, is saying and testifying about us currently. Because you see, church, we are living at a time and living in a world where identity is becoming everything to this secular age. I mean, for example, people now want to be identified by their sexual orientation, by their gender, by their political party, by their virtue signaling, by their race, their job, their title, their socioeconomic status, and who knows what else. However, what we must never forget, Christian, is that our identity is no longer based on who we once were. But instead, our identity now, Christian, is based on the fact that our old and sinful and wicked and depraved and evil and vile, hell-bound selves were crucified with Jesus Christ. And thus, it is no longer we who live, but Jesus Christ who lives in us. And the life we live now in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. For that is our identity, Christian, no longer slaves to sin, but instead new creations in Jesus Christ. However, Christian, is that how the world sees you? For is that how your friends and your family know you? For is that how your co-workers and your neighbors and your acquaintances describe you? 
Or do they simply see and know and describe you as the Eagles fan, as the good cook, as the nice dresser, as the teacher, the golfer, the reader, the neighbor, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker? For is that how the world sees and knows and describes you, Christian? Or does the world instead testify about you, Christian, that you love Jesus Christ and that you do good? Because that is our aim, Christian, for that is our goal, to live out our new identity in Jesus Christ, to no longer, Romans 6, present our members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but instead to present ourselves to God as instruments of righteousness. Therefore, make no mistake, Christian, for how you live your life, today, tomorrow, and forevermore, it matters. And thus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who made you one in Christ, new in Christ, and forever alive in Jesus Christ, let your life be a life then, Christian, that is faithful to walk no longer in the evils of this world, but instead in the goodness of God. For let the manner of your life, Christian, be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only message that can take you, Christian, from death to that of eternal life. Now as we close this morning, I'll begin with the non-Christian who was here first. And non-Christian, the Apostle John made a clear distinction in the text today. In verse 11, where he wrote, Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Now John's point here, non-Christian, it isn't that we can do enough good in our lives, if you will, to somehow get ourselves back into the good graces of God. But instead, what John is communicating here is that in order to be able to do good characteristically in our lives, first non-Christian, we need to be born again. For we need to be born of God. For we need to be born of the one who sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save us from our sin. Because you see, non-Christian, we are sinners, meaning we cannot not sin. Therefore, Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless Son of God, literally broke into this world as truly God and as truly man and lived for us the life that we could never live, a life that was perfect and righteous and holy, a life that was free from sin and wickedness and evil. And thus, Jesus Christ, non-Christian, fulfilled completely for the children of God the very law of God. However, non-Christian, keeping the law of God in and of itself was not enough to save sinners from their sin, for a price still needed to be paid and a sacrifice still needed to be made. And that, non-Christian, is exactly what Jesus Christ did. For the perfect, sinless Lamb of God willingly went to the cross and bore the wrath of a holy God that we deserve for our sins by being crucified and dying a sinner's death in our very place, pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. 
however non-Christian being, that Jesus was a perfect and sinless sacrifice. His sacrificial work on that cross, it appeased the wrath of a holy God toward his sinful children. Therefore, Jesus Christ, he did not stay dead. For sin and death, they simply had no power over him, for they had no claim over him because Jesus Christ, he never sinned. Thus, three days later, Jesus Christ, he rose from the grave and displayed to the world that he had defeated sin and destroyed death and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, non-Christian, let today be the day that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you feel the conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment in your life and that you repent and place your faith in the only one who can save you from your sin, that being our Lord and the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And to the Christian who is here this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, we will close this morning by taking a brief look at the final three verses of the epistle of 3 John, verses 13 through 15, where the apostle John, he writes, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Church, I... I chose to preach through 1 John and 2 John and 3 John because ultimately, like the Apostle John here in verse 15, I wanted peace to be with us. For I wanted us as Faith Bible Fellowship Church to experience the peace of God together. For I wanted us first to grasp as brothers and sisters in Christ the kind of love that the Father has given to us, all so that we could be called the children of God. And then I wanted us to comprehend that because God now abides in us, that we no longer should desire to put ourselves first, but instead we should now desire as the children of God to love one another in deed and in truth, to care for one another as brothers and sisters sisters in Christ, and to support and encourage one another in ministry and in life, which will naturally then, Christian, lead to the peace and to the love of God abiding and expanding and flourishing within this Christian community known as Faith Bible Fellowship Church. Now, I do realize that one of the biggest critiques against evangelical America or against the American church today is that we do not do community well and that our love for each other really isn't authentic or real or organic but is instead forced and faked and fabricated and will eventually dry up. Now regardless of the validity of that critique, whether it's true, false, or uncertain, 
Make no mistake, Christian, for we have all still been called to walk in the truth and to love each other just as Jesus Christ loved us. And this isn't just some recommendation, church. This isn't an option, church. This isn't something that you can choose to do or not to do, church. For our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, the one who purchased the church with his very blood and who will reign as head over the church forever and ever and ever, he said with the authority that only comes from being God himself, that this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Therefore, Faith Bible Fellowship Church, in terms of our love and our fellowship and our communion with one another, if you see an area within the church that you think can improve, or be better, or that needs to be reformed, then please, please, please let me lovingly challenge you. Don't just complain about it and be part of the problem. Do not be like Diotrephes who refuse to greet and receive and support the brothers, but instead seek to be part of the solution, Christian. Seek to be like the Apostle John here, who loved his brothers and sisters in Christ so much that he desired, verse 14, to talk to them face to face, and verse 15, for each of them to be greeted by name. You see, church, I so, so, so desire for this church family to earnestly love one another in all that we do, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray that we as a church get there. However, in order to get their church, it takes courage, for it takes courage to not just run out of here on Sunday morning, but instead to stick around a little bit and to greet one another, and to see one another as friends, as brothers and as sisters in Christ, and to desire to get to know each and every one here by name. And make no mistake, church, for this does indeed have eternal implications. And I say that because as the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, everyone who does not love does not know God. Therefore, as someone who has been called to keep watch over your souls, as one who will give an account, let me encourage you this morning. Brother Christian, Sister Christian, with this, if you truly, truly, truly love God, then let your love for God be displayed in how you love one another so that the God of love and peace be tangibly displayed among us, allowing the world to know and to see and to testify that we here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church are indeed Christians, and they will know that church how? By the way we love one another. Therefore, it is my prayer that we as a church family do not desire to put ourselves first, but instead be willing to seek the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And thus, Father, give us eyes to see each other, not as strangers, but instead as friends, as family members, as brothers and sisters in Christ who now have peace with you and peace with each other through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, we know that this community thing, this 
love thing, this fellowship thing that it takes courage to pursue. Thus, please grant us, your children, the courage we need to walk in this love and to be a church who loves one another in deed and in truth, to be a church that loves each other sacrificially, genuinely, and without expecting anything in return, all so that we can be a church body that experiences the peace that comes from being a community that is committed to loving you, God, and loving one another. Thus, please let the manner of our lives, Father, be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ as we love you, God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. Let's pray. Father, I pray you send your spirit and that we be convicted this morning of any sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Father, if we have not loved you well by loving each other well, Father, we repent. We come to you and we ask for forgiveness. If we have been in a season of delays, whether that is a church or personally, to not seeking to know each other by name, to not love each other in deed and in truth. Father, we pray for forgiveness. We repent of our sin. And we come to you, Father, who has given us the spirit to regenerate us, to make us one in Christ, new in Christ, and forever alive in Jesus Christ. We pray that you give us a spirit of love toward each other. Lord, that we no longer see each other as strangers, but as friends as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we seek to outdo one another in greeting each other by name, getting to know each other, supporting each other, building each other up. Father, the world is callous, focused on the individual and the the self. Lord, let us not seek to put ourselves first any longer. Help us to put our brothers and sisters in Christ's needs ahead of our own as we love you, God, in all that we do. Do this work that only you can do, Father, we pray. And as the the world sees our testimony and the way we love each other, Lord, we pray that the only thing that they can conclude and come up with is that they know we are Christians by our love. Do this work, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please stand.